Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and John Thornton. <laughs> I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. you going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media. Make sure to go over to broadwaysportsmedia.com and find all our other great podcasts and articles. If you have not already, head on over there and sign up for your free seven-day trial. And then after that, it's just $9.99 a month for all of our great content you do not want to miss. Jonathan is back with me this week after taking a much-needed vacation last week and getting some things in order. Missed him last week, but special thanks to Bill Ott, a.k.a. the infamous Superhorn, for helping us out and interviewing Coach Chris Selfo. It was a really good interview. Hope you had a chance to go and listen to it. If you've missed it, go back. He got into a lot of things about his coaching history. Rich history uh, includes uh, coaching Chad Pittington at Marshall, recruiting Randy Moss and being able to see him firsthand when he was looking into that, and then, of course, his Trot through the SEC at Georgia, then Atlanta Falcons, head coach at Tulane. Uh, some things there with having to deal with the Katrina outbreak. So it was a really good interview. Had a chance to go into some dive into specifics about play calling, play philosophy. I had a good time as an offensive line talking to an offensive line guy. Really cool to also hear him talk about uh, Tony Gonzalez and when he coached him in Atlanta and helping him, uh, quote unquote, get him into the Hall of Fame, as he said on the, on, on the stream, or excuse me, on the, on the podcast. Uh, but Jonathan, Welcome back. Um, you able to listen to the interview last week? How'd we do without you? Oh, well, I heard you were going to be talking offensive linemen. You're bringing an offensive line coach on here. I was like, I'm just taking the week off. There's no point in me even being here. Like I can shoot it. <laughs> I can shoot it around with some guys. But when you when it was an offensive line coach talking to an offensive line coach, I just said, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take the week off. Yeah, and actually, Bill Bill was actually able to ask a lot of good questions uh, last week as far as technique and stuff. And Bill's real good about that because he gets real down in the weeds. Where I kind of lived the experience. So all my my talk is is my understanding and talk of the line stuff is basically, well, you know, we did this. We look for this kind of thing. Whereas he gets into actual terms where I'm just going this than that, you know, kind of talk. Yep. But it was some surprising things we came up with with, with communication. And I, I picked up some things he said about being accountable for ones position and your play not using the communicate lack of communication or laugh lack of cohesiveness as an excuse or a crutch so i did like that but i get you know one to stress that my firm belief on that is you have to be a cohesive unit otherwise it's going to fail because if you have something break down or someone's not not picking things up then good luck so but there's a little things then and there and i think that he mixed some of his words up on some of the things he's talking about but it was a really great interview i really loved not just talking about um you know, his philosophies on things and his experience. Cause that's always good to talk to someone who's probably going to forget more about football than I'll ever learn or however that saying goes. I think I got it right. <laughs> but talking to him about like his watching his son come up now with the coaching ranks, and how proud he was of, of Joe down there at uh, Northeast Louisiana. Uh, and then of course the connections that he and I had through our past. So it was a really good interview, really good podcast, kind of a little something different. And as we've said on the coach's corner in the past, we're going to try to do that and bring that to y'all. So that we're not just talking about, the coaching plays. Once we get in the season, obviously we're going to have plays to talk about, things to break down, game decisions. You know, we'll have some substance. But here in the offseason, that's the kind of stuff I'm really looking forward to. And talking to those guys, not just about their philosophy, but what got them into coaching, what kept them there, and their experiences. Because I love that back-and-forth coach talk. Yeah, I mean, right now we're just trying to build our own cohesive unit with Broadway and then uh, the two of us. So, I mean, uh, sure. do, doing what we can. Uh, I, talking about growing as a unit. Obviously, this is uh, – this is something where we may be bringing some video footage to you soon. Yeah, so man. It, it's an exciting time. Yeah, figuring some stuff out. So look for some announcements in the future from us that we're going to actually try to start live casting this show as we bring it. And then, of course, we'll still be ready in podcast form when it goes live the next day. So you may actually catch some errors live here that don't get included in the recording. So maybe some breakdowns for me. We don't make errors here. <laughs> I do because apparently I can't say people's names. And sometimes my brain likes to likes – to, to speak ahead of my mouth or whatever. And I get, and I start on other words. So it's real fun times. I cut some of that out on the podcast a little bit, 
Maybe we'll bleed through on this on the live cast because man, is, this is game day. This is game, game day. day. You, don't, you don't get to go back and do any sort of edits. It's just got to it's got to do it live. Yep. So we're getting some things in house for that. We'll get some. We're, we're upgrading our equipment even more from off the mics to our cameras. Really big things happening across the board. So it's not just our show that's going to live. We're going to try to bring a couple other things to you live as well, including our Sunday night roundtable, which I think is going to be a huge show for us. Where we're going to get down and break down the Titans game pretty much right after the game. Get on there. Talk some shop. We did some instant reactions from some guys. It'll be a revolving cast of people, you know, and we'll we'll pick up some shows as we go, but some exciting times for Broadway sports, man. Just keep expanding. Speaking of expanding things, talk a little bit about what's going on with the Titans roster in this show. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> we are now a not safe for work podcast. No, we were very much safe for work. You, I, trust me, my, my nephew Jack's listening. Hey, Jack, what's up? Anyway, so the, the, this is the time of year where typically when you have your preseason games, you kind of have your standard this game, this game, then a cut. This game, then a cut. You only have that this year, obviously, because there's no preseason games. So it's a weird area that coaches are in not having this, they're having to rely on practices, communication, how guys are picking things up more than ever. We talked about in other shows like on the flex and how you can't really make a fantasy judgment on what you're seeing from camp because training camp stories sometimes can lie. Coach speak sometimes can lie. So that's all we're really relying on is people that are, that are not in the coach's room looking in and seeing the decisions they're going to make. But from a coach's standpoint, Jonathan, how hard is this not having the actual game footage and having to rely on scrimmage against your own team, which again can be skewed because it's against your own team. That's a different fill. It's a different pickup. And then one-on-one drills, which I'll, I'll give my thoughts on one-on-ones here in a minute, but what, what, what are, what's really going on here in a coach's mind from your perspective are that they're at a disadvantage. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause I think one of the biggest things is probably, you know, you have these long training camps you're going through and uh, it's really a motivation thing. And now these are professionals. These are guys that um, you shouldn't really need to talk a ton about motivation, but let me tell you, players don't necessarily like training camps and you see that all the, in a, the, the NFLPA trying to get the preseason games limited anyways, but that's mostly for the veterans. That's for the veterans that don't want to go out there and risk an injury. They've already got their spot on the roster, but trying to analyze these fringe roster guys, that's where it gets really difficult. Cause you talk about these guys that show up in preseason games and make some big plays. Well, you don't have those options this year. So you really got to show out every single day of practice. And that's a grind. That is an absolute grind. And sometimes you have that break and you know, even the veterans, they don't like playing in the games, but they still enjoy going there and being a part because some of those guys, that may be the last time they put on a uniform. So they enjoy being a part of that kind of interaction with the team. So I, I think it's a unique situation where not all the players are definitely enjoying not having a preseason, but it, it's something that as a coach, you really have to analyze each sort of rep and you don't really get those live reps uh, right. that you necessarily would in a preseason game. So that puts some of these these back into the roster guys really at a disadvantage. So sure. I know we're going to talk a little bit about kind of Cole McDonald and the cut and how that kind of plays into it because you don't really have that those development opportunities to see these guys get out there. You really have to go with those known commodities, even if sometimes they're not that exciting. Yeah, and that's that's it's a, it's unfair in a way, you know, it's, it's, it's very unfair in a way to some of these guys because you want to get the chance. Because what was it then on Hard Knocks? Uh, they were talking about there, like, if we didn't have preseason, then Eckler's not a thing. He doesn't, make the, he doesn't make the roster. He showed out in the games, showed what he could do, and then next thing you know, he's on the team. And now he's there starting running back, and he's got a new contract and all those things. So that without preseason games, they probably wouldn't have picked him up because they wouldn't have been able to see what he could do. So it's just – I feel bad for the guys. You saw that there was immediate cuts on uh, hard knocks as well from the the tight end. Forgive me, I, the, the name's escaping me now. Got so pissed off when he was told, like, no, not this early. Come on. I, I, I was focused. I was kind of, I came in shape. I'm ready to go. And, 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 and Anthony Lynch was like, yeah, man. I think Lynn was like, yeah, get pissed off. I think I said Lynch there, my bad, <laughs> for uh, John Lynch. Um, Anthony Lynn was like, yeah, man, get pissed off. I love that. And he goes to talk to the, the GM, and he's like, did you see how pissed he was? And they're like, yeah, I love it. So, you know, you see some of that stuff going on. That was an interesting take for me is, or takeaway for me from Hard Knocks. And you think about that, you're talking about these back-end roster guys. Even, not, even some of these barely on the bubble guys who've been hanging out on the practice squad to camp practice squad. Sometimes they're really hoping that's going to affect them this year as well, because as a coach, you got to go with who you've seen more of and who you trust, right? Unless there's injuries involved, obviously. So as a coach, you kind of have to rely on your gut more than ever before. 
And we talked about in previous shows about Vrabel relying on his gut and also mixing in some of those analytics. But he's a guy who always, that has proven he likes to listen to his gut, has, has experience doing that. So I think that's actually going to benefit guys like him that don't have to really rely on what they see. They have a feel for things, and he's in the weeds with his coaching. Uh, I know we'll get to Isaiah Wilson a little bit, but I loved a clip I saw from camp here uh, today where um, Isaiah Wilson was in a double blocking drill with the tight end. I didn't catch the tight end number. And then he put uh, my, my Pruitt Cole on <laughs> on his butt by throwing him down. First of all, it's it's half speed, so whatever. But at the same time, after that, that play, Vrabel gets in there with the offensive lineman talks about help and then an angle about how to cut off a linebacker because that's the position he played and it just those kind of things. So he's able to see those kind of things, those, those angles as a, as a good player that he was. So I think that he's going to rely on that and be able to make some of these decisions. Yeah. And I think whenever you've kind of seen, they've been shuffling guys in and out a little bit of that back end of the roster kind of thing. Cause you don't really have the time to really with, with the amount of time you have on the field, you don't really have time to dilly dally. So I know we talked about, I kind of mentioned Cole McDonald and you know, they, they, they cut him seventh round pick. You mean he got one week, one week to come in and then get cut. And you almost think, you know, whenever this draft happened, you had no idea what this season was going to look like whenever you make that pick. Uh, hindsight being 2020, not just because they cut them, cut him, but not and not even had anything to do with what actually happened on the field. I think they always knew he was going to be a developmental prospect. True. And had they known how the structure of the season was going to play out with no yep. preseason games, I don't think they make that pick, regardless of the player. You're not taking developmental agree. players right now because you don't have time to do it. You just don't have the extra reps. You don't have the game time to get in there. And you have the smaller uh, rosters. You're down to 80 players right now in training camp normally. You're at 90. So it's really something that uh, it's unfortunate for Cole McDonald because I think, as we talked about, they kind of viewed him as more of a gadget player, but you don't have the luxury of doing those kinds of things. Yeah, all of that kind of goes out the window with him. And we, we can move to Cole McDonald at this point. Uh, he was our next subject anyway. Um, but he we talked about in the past show about what he could possibly, maybe your coaching decision brings on that maybe you travel with him because of gadgets he can do. Well, that's all if he makes the roster, clearly. And the thought is, is that, well... Woodside is more of our third guy locked in. We need a better option at two. And again, let's talk about this for a second. When you're bringing in a two option, I saw a lot of disappointed people by bringing in Trevor Simeon. What one of our uh, one of our cohorts, uh, Zach Lyons of F Words Pod, he had some uh, strong words. If you listen to that one, he's a huge huge Simeon fan. Yeah, let me be clear about this. I don't love the pickup either, but it's a backup quarterback. Show me where you can get better. That's oh, one place you could have tried, but maybe he's. I don't know what the whole deal with Colin Kaepernick is. I've said for years. You've said for years too that he's he'd be perfect for how the Titans were in their offense. I, who knows if his availability, what's going on there. But here's the thing of everyone else that we know is available and people that they brought in. I mean, Trevor Simeon did at least have a, I think he had a trout with the lions right before the Titans uh, didn't pick up there. Maybe he said he knew the, the, the Titans tryout was coming and wanted to wait for that, but he got picked up by the Titans. It, it, it's not supposed to wow you. It's a backup quarterback. You're hoping that he can just keep the one well, the chiefs uh, kept the thing afloat with what Matt Moore last year when, 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 um, when they had knee injury to Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, you're not, you're not looking for someone because obviously the Titans got real lucky last year, in my opinion, because that's not your typical backup situation when you bring in Ryan Tannehill like that. And hindsight being 2020, now you're thinking, yeah, they, they knew there was going to be a somewhat of a leash on Mariota. They knew that he may not be able to recover from all the, 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 the nerve damage. And I don't want to pile on the guy, but the, the reports out of Raiders camp so far haven't been great either. I, I feel for him because here, here's the thing. Marcus is a great dude, and I loved his time here with the Titans. I really did from a, a who he was as a person. Nothing's ever going to take that away from him, and I hope that he always be, is a special place in Titans fans' hearts. I really do. But the fact of the matter, through injury, through no fault of his own, wherever you want to spin it, he wasn't able to get the job done. And it doesn't look like he's picking up out there in what I've heard is a much more complicated system for Gruden. We'll see what happens. We'll see if he can beat out Carr, but right now doesn't look great. But back to the Titans with Simeon, you're not looking to bring in this big experienced guy because there's just this not out there. I'm not, I don't love it, but what else are you expecting? Yeah, I think 
the downside is with Simeon, it's that there's no excitement factor whatsoever. I sure. think everybody loves the Cole McDonald story because, <laughs> I mean, uh, the guy. Hawaiian, yeah, he's the dreadlocks he's when gonna, he came out. He's going to take his chances on the field. He's going to go crazy. But uh, coaches, especially if you're down a quarterback, you don't want a guy who's going to go in and lose the game for you. Now, there could be some times that Cole McDonald may have made some wow throws and gone in there and won a game. Trevor Simeon, probably not going to win a game for you. Um, He's probably less likely to lose a game for you. Exactly. He's going to protect the football. He's going to hand it off, and you're going to go down to ground and pound and trust your defense. You have a defensive-minded head coach, even though he is a – he's more aggressive than your typical defensive-minded coaches. Uh, but it is something that you're going to kind of hedge your bets if you lose your starting quarterback. So it's not going to excite anybody. I get it. It doesn't excite me. I mean, I I understand it. I, given the circumstances, I may have been tempted to do the exact same thing that they did, but sitting here where I am right now, yeah, I'd rather seek somebody like Cole McDonald or somebody that could potentially develop into something. So it's, I get it. I get it. It's just boring. You don't have that. You don't have that luxury though, this year, especially. And it's very telling to me that they saw enough in a week that he wasn't going to be able to get it, and it's going to take a lot longer. He he's, he screams at this point a practice squad guy that can that, that needs a year to develop and maybe he catches some because he is a good athlete. He really is. There were some concerns about his delivery. It did look better than what it did in college, I'll tell you that. It still wasn't great, but there was improvement. So he, he at least showed me he was someone who was willing to work on his faults. Yeah, but I don't think everybody gets hung up on this. It, it, what did they see in a week? I think their mind was made up. You, if you're a guy like Simeon, who knows? They may have already been talking to him and kind of, hey, let's wait for your price tag to come down as you get into <laughs> yeah. camp. We want a veteran guy. They probably already knew that. And so, I mean, I think Cole McDonald was exactly what they wanted. He may have even been better than what they expected. But again, whenever you go into a game, uh, you know, the first time those lights come on, and you're in an NFL game. Well, I mean, you don't know. You didn't play in the NFL, neither did I. So I guess I, I don't particularly know. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I can only wish. As far as that goes, that's a whole different aspect of the the nerves of that first time. And that's not the position you want somebody that you want to have to deal with growing pains for a team that is good enough to win some games. Right. I agree with you. I, just, I guess what I was saying by that whole week thing is that they were hoping maybe he came out and really blew the doors off. And, that, and that's where they wanted to give him a chance. They drafted him. Give him a chance because otherwise – I mean, plus it's a bad look if you cut a guy that you actually drafted before he even gets to camp, right? For sure. So, I mean, that's my point is that they gave him the week. They said, yep, this is about what we thought we were going to have. Nothing was just absolutely stellar there other than maybe athletic profile, those kinds of things. But, again, it, and it's, you brought up a good point a second ago, not to, not to backtrack in our show here, but the whole thing, practice is, for obvi- other than the obvious reasons, practice is different from games. Games actually mean something. I get all that. But there's a different feel there. So, I mean – that's the big difference in this, in this without having preseason games because you can't just have that switch turn on and you're going against your guys all the time. It's kind of tough for both sides to get up constantly for that. Yeah, and I think whenever you have a, a Trevor Simeon, you don't, you don't need the entire training camp for him to figure out what Trevor Simeon is. So you bring in Cole McDonald, who you may have made your decision that you weren't going to stick with him because you didn't have the time to develop him. You may have made that decision when all this agreement came down about what the actual season was going to look like with the COVID uh, say, all the the accommodations we've had to make for COVID, but you get a week to kind of see him and see if it's somebody you actually want to bring back. And right. this other thing is, oh, John Robinson's seventh round pick. So it's a seventh round pick, dude. Like you, you're going to get some of these people that think that everybody is going to be these uh these stud seventh round picks and everything. Yeah. Now those are the rarities. Like if you get one, <laughs> congratulations. Exactly. But the fact that you didn't hit on a seventh round pick quarterback, you take your chances and then you kind of move on. But I do think he's a guy you bring back on the practice squad. And he seems to and John Robinson seems to have hit on a lot of those mid round picks more than he's missed. And that's what I want my GM to do, to be honest with you. Let's let's hit on more than we miss, especially in those middle rounds. And when you're talking about like David Long, that seems to be a hit. And he was a later round pick. And I like that one. Yep. The first rounders, you can argue, you know, about this year, what they drafted Fulton, all this kind of stuff, but they got both the guys they wanted, I think, or at least guys that were high on their board for their personally wanting. And who cares which round they got them in? They got them. And the year before with Corey Davis going into his last year, we'll see what happens. But he's not – I'm not ready to say he's an outright bust because he's been able to be a starter in the NFL. Yeah, you want to talk about you, – you want to knock John Robinson for something. Knock him for Kevin Dodd. Knock him for uh, even Corey Davis at this point. I think you can knock him for. But you can't knock him for a seventh-round pick. And going back to right. just finish up on Cole McDonald, like him getting cut after a week doesn't tell me anything about how they view Cole McDonald. 
if they don't bring him back on the practice squad, that tells me what they think about Cole McDonald. Yeah. The reasons they don't – okay, so if they don't bring him back on the practice squad, it's one of two things have happened. Either he's picked up with someone else for some reason, or they just really didn't like what they see. And I think that's more going to be more telling than anything else. So, But concerns, real quick before we move on from the quarterbacks, if Simeon does have to come in and lead, what other concerns do you have other than he's just not Ryan Tannehill? Real quick, my concern is just that he hasn't seen any meaningful playing time since 2017. Yeah, I mean, it's – I completely get that. You also just said that maybe they should bring in Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I have a, you know, I just, I guess this is more of me for years saying that I would have liked to have seen what Kaepernick look like in this offense. Oh, I completely so. agree. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. I, I think my biggest concern is it is if Trevor Simeon comes in, is you immediately get back into this QB purgatory because the Titans are a talented team. They got talent. They can run the football. They can play defense. But in the end, you're trying to win a Super Bowl, and you ain't winning a Super Bowl with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. So you're not going to be bad enough as a team to get into that top range to look at a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, any of those guys. And you're not going to be good enough to actually win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and to your point, what we talked about, Kansas City Chiefs not win the Super Bowl with Matt Moore last year if, if no. Mahomes missed more time. And I don't think they're I don't think they're winning it if if he has to miss more than what he did, a significant amount of time. You know, that's just not what happens. So again, this is every situation, every NFL team, they gotta go to their backup, they're screwed. I mean, I'm sorry. They're, the Super Bowl needs to be out of expectations at that point in time just because it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, so if you want to knock the Simeon argument, maybe the one is that they're spending extra money at that position. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion, and I know this is the coach's corner, so I can give you that coaching mentality. We're going to go in and we're going we're gonna to hand the ball off. <laughs> we're going to play good defense. But, you know, as the person that's not actually coaching the team, I'm sitting there saying, if you're going to be bad, be bad. Like, yeah. get, those, get those high draft picks. Worst case scenario, you trade them to right. somebody who's dumb enough to come up and get something. Or pick the best players there. I mean – it would be nice to be picking in a range if you think Tannehill's still the answer. If he gets an- injured, but he's still the dude, uh, then cool. You're in range to go get a top defensive end or something right. like that, or or mortgage everything to for somebody else to come up. So they, they they mortgage their future and you trade back kind of thing. So I think that's the most disappointing thing is if Simeon comes in there. I'm not too worried about the t- 2017. He he's going to be Trevor Simeon regardless. You're hoping you can still win with him, essentially. You're hoping that it's a two-game max that he has to start for. That's your best-case scenario if, if you have to go with him at some point in time of the season. You're hoping he can spell for a couple series here and there if there's like a little tweak or something, and you're hoping maybe it's just two games and you go you go one and one those two games. That's what you're hoping for. Oh, yeah. You know, the Saints got lo- really lucky with Bridgewater last year, and what they they went 5-0, and 4-0 with, without Breeze. With, with, but it wasn't like they were. It was, it was you know, he did well, but it wasn't the same kind of game. So they might have hit sure. just a lucky patch. So that's what you're hoping on your, your backup quarterback. Hopefully we've able to at least explain what our expectations are for backup quarterbacks and why it's okay not to be thrilled with it, but understand why it happened. I do have one other thing to say, though. I mean, Cole McDonald probably lost the job when he started that YouTube channel that he created. It was, it, I mean, it's terrible. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. Like, I, I wanted the dude to succeed. I watched his YouTube, and I was like, ah, sorry, man. I'm out. Was it TikToky or whatever? Or nah, tacky? What is it? Um, I guess he's from Hawaii, but he has he has had the total bro mentality. And it was just like way over the top. <laughs> well, he's way out of here at this point in time. I wish him well, though. Hopefully he lands somewhere. But coming into some other position battles that are going on and some other things that are affected by not being able to see game. And one of the big things is, well, not only special teams to see those back end guys, but also position battles for number three, number four, not number three, but number four, number five receiver, one and two line the tackle position if you're trying to filter. I think they've got a pretty good handle on their tight end situation, so I'm not really worried there. John Smith is the dude. I think he's going to break out this year. But when we're looking at that receiver position group, outside of A.J. Brown and you now Corey Davis is your number two just because, well, he's your number two guy. And I think we're safe to say that as it stands right now, Adam Humphreys is your solid number three. But there's a little bit of a battle going on for that fourth position, or do you think it's locked up already? I mean, from all all the reports that you see, Khalif Raymond's your dude at that number four spot. I mean, you have Rashard Davis, Khalif Raymond, Cameron Batson, and they all seem to be pretty similar players. They all have limited uh, experience. I know Khalif had the great catch, great catches that he had last year, but they were few and far between. They were impactful. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Batson was Khalif Raymond two seasons ago, though. And he, if he doesn't get, if Cameron Batson doesn't get injured 
going into last year, Khalif Raymond maybe had never seen the field or even made this team in any capacity because the team loved him. He won the offseason award. So Batson's a little more put together than Khalif is. You saw he got injured. That's been my biggest thing. They're, they're tiny. I saw somebody on uh, on Twitter the other day said that, they, that things were looking up for the Titans wide receiver depth chart, and I could only couldn't help but wonder if he meant by literally in their height <laughs> because I may be taller than several of them. I'm I'm claiming 5'10", just to be clear. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm definitely taller than them. Yeah, so I, six six feet on your uh, on your depth chart if I'm in college right now, but yeah. 5'10 in reality. Yeah, yeah, I was 6'4 in college. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I think whenever you look at whenever you look at the this number four spot, I think it's going to be Khalif Raymond, but they're all pretty similar players. And so it, it, I think Khalif is probably definitely making this team, but I don't think all three of them are making it. And they're too similar. You mm-hmm. already have Adam Humphreys, who is not a, not a big guy either. And he's your number three. Everybody's talking about every single catch that Khalif Raymond makes, that he's the number one, number two, number three receiver. Okay, great. He could potentially be a really good asset as a number four receiver. I think they all could, though. They are all similar players. Um, so I'm interested to see which kind of shakes out. Rashard Davis, if I, ha- if I was kind of just guessing, I'm guessing it's Khalif Raymond. Cameron Batson may be a guy that sticks around. I don't think Rashard Davis sticks, though. That's fair enough. And, and here's the thing you got to remember, too. I've seen some people saying that Khalif Raymond needs to be get some serious burn this season. And and, and I, I get that. It's, it is so – to see the few catches he made last year, and they were fantastic, and they were well-timed as well. But there's a reason why they – I think, in my opinion, they worked better than they would have because they, were, they picked their spots with them. And if you're always calling those plays – and they're having to, you know, then you're going to be going to other things because they're going to cover that. And they were able to take those shots because they were able to hit them when they weren't expecting it. And that's kind of what then you need that guy. And he's got something that some of the other guys don't necessarily have. And that's some outright speed. And so I think you need that. But I think that especially those top two that you mentioned, Davis and Raymond, I think they both have speed. And like you said, they're and Batson. Batson was a four three guy. And Batson's and Batson's got speed too. Uh, yeah, exactly. But like my point there is, is you've got speed there in that fourth position, whoever it is. Now, I will say this when you're watching the one-on-ones, it, it's, it, they're fantastic plays. And I've seen some – I've seen like uh, Raymond Khalif, he put a, a whip move on – was it Malcolm Butler? I think the, so, yeah. In the red zone goal lines the other day. And I was like, man, that's a hell of a whip route. And like I saw someone say, oh, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting route they need to put. I was like, yeah, it's a whip route. That there's, they just whipped it back inside. It's fantastic. What's a he whip bra- route? He, it was perfect. It's when you go and you change the direction and you break down and you turn a 180 and go the opposite direction. You make kind of a loop. So it almost looks like when it's done, you draw it up on a board. It looks like a whip and it goes back the other way. You can whip in, you can whip out. And they're, they're great plays, especially like tight ends run a good whip when they whip out. I've seen Kelsey do it a bunch and Kittle and Johnny Smith would probably, I think Walker's actually done this a little bit too. When you, you run in, you want to press your guy into the inside to where you get leverage on him. You make him think you're running a slant or inside leverage or in that direction. All of a sudden, you hit the brakes, you get a stutter move, and then you break all the way outside. So you kind of loop around to where he has to stop. He doesn't know which way you're turning. He doesn't know if you're turning up, whatever. If you run it just right, you, you halt him, he slips, and then you're, you're open. You've got that three-yard pickup, and you can turn it upfield. Or you're open in the end zone like that. Now, what I will say this is the factor in that he won't have that kind of freelance real estate in a game. Thank you. Thank because you. Here's one on a, and one, this, one-on-ones in training camp are a fraud. <laughs> this is what I was trying to get to. They're great to see potential in what they can. It was, it was a nice route. But here's your problem with that. There's no other responsibilities. There's no other linebackers dropping. There's Nothing. It's a free throw. And the quarterback, guess what? He's also sitting back there not having to worry about anything in his face. And they have a little more. It's that route right there. Even though that whip route is great, it takes time. And one thing you don't really have a ton of time on in the goal line, well, is time. Sorry for, for you know, bearing my lead there, but that that's it. And I'm not saying it can't happen, but that's why you see so many fades in that, that situation. That's why you see so many quick slants in those situations because you have to get something out quick. I'm snap, Hopefully that mic picks that up. But that you have to get something out quick. It has to be snappy. And it's the same thing on Not to Steal Your Thunder. I'll let you speak on I know I'm kind of going on a tangent here, and I apologize to my co-host here. But that also drives me crazy when you see the one-on-ones in pass rush for offensive line, defensive line. It, it, they know it's pass, and I know that there's a third down situation, but you still don't have the same kind of advantage. They have a little more free two-way go because you're on an island. You don't have anybody. They, they can literally go a little step wider than they normally would or step to the inside more than they would. It's it's set up for 
you have to be really good. You're just trying to get your fits. You're trying to get your positioning right. You're trying to get your footwork right. And as long as you just don't get outright beat in the first hit, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a little fight, a little change of direction. But you can't really say that's exactly how it's going to go in a game because most time when you're dropping back for pass, unless it's third and long, that kind of situation, which again, it's pretty specific to that one situation. It's it's tough for the defensive linemen because they've got to go through all their reads and everything like that. So it's a it can be a bit of a fraud. But I will say it is it is nice to see the athletic ability and the fact that he is making tough catches. Speaking about Raymond, but again, let's pump the brakes a little bit on our expectation. That doesn't mean he's going to be better than AJ Brown. It doesn't mean that he's going to be the next Julio Jones. Well, first of all, no way in hell he can be. Again, the whole you know height thing. This is where you want to get on our live stream if we ever have it for to see my dance with my hands right now. But there's a little bit different of levels there. There's levels to that receiving game. There's levels to that height. So I don't think that carries over into the game, but I still think he has a place on this team, especially for those shot plays. I just don't think you should be expecting uh, 20 20 targets. Sorry, I just won my game of solitaire. I was over here playing while you went on that tangent. um, Your turn. Oh, yeah, right. We're (laughs) up. Um, No, so the thing is, if you see defense win in one-on-one matchups in training camp, that's something to applaud. Because it's something that's designed to completely expose the defense. There's too much ground to cover that nobody realistically can be expected to win most of those matchups. So whenever you look at somebody uh, that's winning as a wide receiver, cool. You did what you're supposed to do. That's the whole thing. Now, there's also kind of tidbits of that where uh, the receivers sometimes cheat to catch the ball rather than working on what they're supposed to work on. Um, And so that's the reason things tend to lie. So training camp videos, training camp tweets can lie. You see a catch, awesome. But did they run the right route or did they try to catch the ball? There's no way to know that either. Exactly. And so whenever you look at that, I think, look, I saw somebody, I think it was Warren Sharp that was uh, trying to call out some team Twitter account for saying this is nothing but propaganda for the team. Well, yeah, that's what they're supposed to do. Right. So getting mad at the team for propping up their team, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think it's one of those, whenever you look at, at, uh, these, these videos that you see, these clips that are coming out, or even if you go out to a training camp practice, not this year, maybe next year, uh, then if you see the offense doing something and they're winning in one-on-ones, awesome. Check the box. Just check the box. Doesn't mean a ton. You got to be able, if the defense is winning regularly, if you got a heck of a corner, you got a heck of a safety, or you got a problem on offense. That's something to right. be concerned with. So right. I, I don't put too much stock into that. It, it is what it is. They just, it, it just cracks me up to see these one-on-one matchups and everybody getting so hype about them. But again, just to, not to hammer this home, but doesn't, doesn't that just lead to how hard it is on these coaches this year, especially? Absolutely. I, I think that's the reason you may, you got to design some of these in actual team matchups. Cause that's the only thing you're actually mm-hmm. going to get most of the time, but then you can't really have too much full contact cause you got limited number of rosters. So I'm telling you, it, it is a tough, tough place to be in this year with the, with the, all the COVID restrictions that they have yeah. because you got smaller rosters, less contact, less practices, no games to actually uh, evaluate some of these guys on. So I think that's where it's show me something. You got to show me something right now. So let me ask you this too, and, and fire off some questions at you to give you your, your mic time here back a little bit. Um, you re, you brought something up really well there, the, the no contact thing. Doesn't it also play a little bit the fact that these corners aren't wanting to injure their guys, and then so they're not exactly going to be going. Not saying they're not going as hard as they possibly could, but they're going as hard through their technique as they possibly can. Like what I mean by that is they're not looking to dive to make a play, right? Because they don't want to tangle up legs. So they may get to a point where it's like, well, I got my fit. I'm in the area. I know I'm probably going to be able to dive and, and maybe disrupt, maybe get a little contact as the ball is getting there. Maybe they're not going as far into that to try to ding up one of their guys in camp, right? Oh, for sure. And that's not just on DBs. That's on uh, offensive line, defensive line guys. I mean, you talked about the play with Isaiah Wilson that w- kind of went hit social media today and uh, him knocking over Michael Pruitt. And while, yeah, don't get me wrong, there's no denying that Isaiah Wilson is a monster <laughs> of a man. And in given an actual uh, blocking situation, I have no doubt that he could put Michael Pruitt on the ground. That said, it was very clearly a walkthrough of a technique of a pulling tackle, and Michael Pruitt was not fighting back very strongly. No. And so he caught him off balance with a push and he went down. <laughs> well, yeah, and it wasn't even just caught him off balance. Michael wasn't even really attempting to fight back on it. And you kind of see it at the end of the thing because I think we've been there. You're just kind of laying on the ground like, really, dude? Uh, and yeah. so, uh, it, cool. It's great. To I think see. you even hear him say, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, right. it, it's just one of those, uh, hey, great. 
he knocked him to the ground, but what are you actually seeing? Right. Now, this doesn't mean I don't think that Isaiah Wilson's going to be a mauler because oh, yeah. I think he is, and I think he needs time, but I think he's going to be a great asset. And I, I continue to be impressed with the physical size of that guy. And just because here's the thing. when An absolute unit. God, and he's an apartment building. It's a still, I think Lebowski, um, my, uh, Lebowski from Edwards Pod brings it up quite a bit that he looks like an apartment with with a jersey on. <laughs> but again, we talked about in the past that Vrabel's not a small dude, right? We, no. we we talked about when we saw him actually standing next to Simmons last year after the draft and everything, and because we were like Simmons is a big dude. And then I remember walking onto the plane or off the plane in the interview and all this, and I was like. Hey, not for nothing. Vrabel's not a small dude either. But next to yeah, Isaiah I, Wilson, holy I think Nikes, uh, man. Vrabel with his size may have had a shot at playing in the NFL. Maybe. <laughs> Just a little bit. So, but Isaiah Wilson is impressive to see. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does and how he develops. And I do like the extra time that, that I saw with Vrabel uh, meeting with him. And I couldn't quite make it out. He was either on that video when you go back and watch. I, I actually want our listeners to go and find that video. And this is the stuff of coaching when it takes over. He actually pulls him to the side. And I talked about it earlier. But he's either telling him, and I can't, and I can't quite hear it because the audio picks up and picks, picks in picks out. And I can't quite make it out, but I hear him say, see, this is what I'm talking about. And then I see the motion. He's either talking about giving more help to that scoop by, by pressing that shoulder to allow his tight end he's working with there to help overtake. Or he's talking about taking the angle to cut off the backers for the play side from, from that second level depth. I couldn't quite tell, but either way, I love that, that the variable as a coach is taking that extra second to get in there and mix it up. And then I think you see the highlight continue. He starts to walk off talking and remembers, Oh crap, I got to get over here. And he starts sprinting in a different direction. So this is those kind of things you see from camp. That's the interactions I like to see. But since we are talking about Isaiah Wilson, he did make some news this, this recently for some other stuff. He was at a gathering at a, at, at, at TSU and Mixed reports, whatever it was. It sounded like it sounded like a nosy neighbor was complaining about noise, possibly or whatever. And the cops came and he was there. Now, let me be clear: if this was any other year, it's not. A, it's a non-issue, right? And is that your opinion of it too? Uh, I think you, you get cited for anything; it's going to come up. But issue, non-issue. I mean, I don't think it's a huge deal given they didn't cite him for you know, having too many people around there, but uh, sure, sure, I'll play along. So my point is just because of where we are with, with, with COVID, this is the big thing. He has to be able to, to be smarter than that. And that's the only, my only issue with it is because if he brings that back to the offensive line room for whatever reason, or say the next day after that gathering, he goes to meet Taylor Lewan wanted to have lunch with him. Then Lewan brings that to back to his family. Now it looks like he tested negative and everything like that. So it, no big deal, no problem. It ends up being not a big thing as far as that's concerned. No COVID issues are that came from that. But that's where we're talking about as a as a young guy. And we've said this on our past shows too, where if you're if you're a one of these top bill star and athletes, why risk some of these things like going out and doing this kind of stuff when you know you've got a big payday in front of you? You almost want to just like, hey, who who wants to who wants to get on Madden tonight? And you know, that's your life. That that, that needs to be most of your life throughout. So when you're in training camp, you know you're you're going for a starting position, and especially with all this COVID stuff going on, you don't necessarily want to put yourself at a disadvantage. Is my only thing by missing more time because if you do pop positive test, then you're going to miss minimum what two weeks. So it, it it's that's that's my only problem is that now you know it's there's no question to who you're starting. I don't think there's a question anyway who your starting tackle is to start the season off, but you're doing yourself no favors by by doing that. It was my only issue with it. I don't have a problem with him hanging out with people because it sounds like that's all it was. I heard people saying it was a big party. It doesn't when you actually read the report, it doesn't sound like it was a huge party. I mean, I, I can't I can't tell you I wasn't there and I don't know how many people were exactly there, but it didn't sound like it was this big raging college party like I saw some people on social media is trying to make it out to be. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's TSU. It, it's not an SEC school. The SEC schools are the ones with the big, giant, raging parties. I, I guarantee you TSU gets, gets down some good parties, man. I bet they're fun, too. It just means more. <laughs> you just wanted to get your SEC tagline in there, didn't you? I had to. <laughs> All right, Even big. though my school's not playing. All right, uh, Big Ten. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I'm not bitter about it at all. Not at all. Uh, oh, while you're bringing up that, since I know nope. it'll come up, I just want to talk about it real quick. If they have a college football season this year and Big Ten does not participate, 
and 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 there's a national champion crowned. Is that a legitimate national champion to you? Uh, I mean, I ha- it has to be. I mean, it has to you, be. You, know, you can only beat the people that are put in front of you. So, right. Okay. I, I just want to get that out now before we get to the end of the season. <laughs> and trust me, I mean, I, I'm an Ohio State fan, so I can I have to stand by the you can only beat the people put in front of you kind of thing when we're beating up Rutgers every year. So, <laughs> fair enough. Bring it on, Maryland. <laughs> So uh, back to Isaiah Wilson to rein this in a little bit. Do you think this that this little snafu uh, coming because he already had the, he was on the COVID list at first and then he came off of it pretty quick um, and then this does this does this kind of a deal where where it doesn't really mean much now as far as the coaches look or how do you think they're seeing him or is he maybe running out of chances in your opinion? Nah, I mean it, what he also benefits from the. Um being a first round pick that leash is a whole lot longer but at the same time uh, i think they said that they handled it internally which means that he probably had some not fun conditioning which if you hear any reports he kind of showed up maybe a little bit overweight so hey thanks for uh thanks for giving us the opportunity to do what needed to be done so have fun and hit those one tens i do love the uh the taylor lewan bits uh finding him sleeping in the ice bath and today was that the uh, going on safari to 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 see a panda in his natural habitat while he, while while panda was sleeping in the ice bath. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing they do seem to have a good cohesion as a team. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, we're kind of bookending it. Cause we talked about building a cohesive unit uh, as an offensive line. Well, the Titans seem to really have that. They seem to really enjoy each other's company um, and, and have fun with it. So, not that in, you, you hope that uh, everybody gets along, but as our friends in Baltimore can attest to, um, not always the case. Nope. Uh, so sometimes players just don't like each other. So it's nice to see that on the opposite end of the spectrum because trust me, as a coach, that makes your life so much easier when you're not yep. also having to be a little bit of a therapist. And again, that situation in Baltimore just doesn't matter how good you are at your job. Sometimes people are just tired of your crap, man, and just... It also helps when you have gotten worse at your job True. due to age. So we talk about that leash. Things become a whole lot easier. If Earl Thomas right. is still the Earl Thomas of old, they became a whole lot uh, more now tolerant Now he's just an expensive problem who's not oh, yeah. quite as good. Yeah, exactly. So, But that that's some news that's going around the NFL as far as that's concerned. We, we've wrapped up there about Isaiah Wilson and where we are standing with him. I think, again, just, just to put a cherry on top of that, I think that I've said it on other shows, I, th- I still think it's Dennis Kelly's position just because I think that Isaiah Wilson needs some time. Heck, I think that the report was he probably needed one more year in college and he was going to be a top 10 pick. And if that's true, then the Titans got a steal, in my opinion. Uh, And I think it wouldn't be surprising if at some point in time Wilson did become the full-time starter during the season. But I think that at least I don't want to put a four, five, six, seven game on it, but for for a good chunk of the season, Dennis Kelly is going to be your starting right tackle, and deservedly so, because he's not a bad tackle. But I think the, the, the ceiling for Isaiah Wilson's higher. I don't think there's any doubt about that, at least with the athletic profiles. I could be wrong because you still have to see Isaiah Wilson in an NFL game. But, you know, it, the potential there, I think, is what we're getting at. So we'll see what happens there. Do you think you, you feel the same? Or you, where are you out of the Dennis Kelly, Isaiah Wilson? I, I think it's almost a little bit like your quarterback mentality. I mean, I think it'll be Dennis Kelly, but that leash is going to be super short. I and mean, if, if Dennis Kelly doesn't have an, a, a first-round pick behind them yeah. – um, he, that leash regardless i mean yeah you don't want him to go out there and suck but it, it's one of those each sack builds pressure e- each thing that e- each pressure that he allows yep. brings pressure yep. missed blocks is this it is this yep. it yep. Is this it so <laughs> it's one of those where the leash is shorter i think it'll probably be dennis kelly again we go back to the the shortened you know no actual game experience i doubt they want to go into week 1 with isaiah wilson as your starter um, having never played before in a game. But I think, you know, the Titans love to run out these six six offensive linemen uh, packages. Right. So I think that's where you can maybe get some extra work there. Bump Dennis Kelly out and put Isaiah Wilson in, in those six tackle packages. So he gets that experience lining up where he's going to be lining up. So obviously Den- Dennis Kelly is a Swiss Army knife, so he can he can play all those different positions. So it, it'll be interesting to see what, what they do with it, but I, I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if it was Isaiah Wilson week one. Yeah, I, I've got more concern. I think I want to see how the step Nate Davis takes in the guards position next to him and see how that goes. That's the other reason why I'm hoping it's Dennis Kelly for a while, just so that Nate can continue to get his feet under him. Because I think that that's just going to do a disservice to Nate as well. There's some there's kind of a ripple effect there about putting a r- rookie tackle next to a second-year guy kind of a deal. And I think that there's a little more 
confidence for Nate knowing that he doesn't have to then relay as much out. So we'll see. Yeah, but you want to see them also build that cohesion. Oh, as a for unit. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know Isaiah Wilson's going to be the guy so, eventually. So can you can you do you go ahead bite the bullet early this season and try to go ahead and start building that cohesion, which is your going to be your future. Let these guys just play. Otherwise, you know you're trading it out, and that's just something you're going to have to deal with later. I, I think, don't have the perfect answer for that. You're the offensive lineman, so you. Tell I think me. you have the luxury of seeing what Dennis Kelly is. Because I think you've got to give him that chance. You did sign him in the offseason. And I don't he hasn't done anything yet to lose that position to me. He's the starter going in. And I think that you have to go with it. I think that I think your analogy about the leash being shorter is probably accurate. And we'll see. And I think that you pick your spots where you want to get Isaiah Wilson in the game in some big sets and see how he looks. You also want to pick your spots and maybe uh, hey, if they're going up to uh, mile high and they they're blowing they're blowing Denver out, let's get Isaiah Wilson in for some big play time and see what he does. And let's get him in with those starters. Let's get him in with Nate Davis. Let's get that going. So I mean, yeah, I think you see stuff like that, and you might see, and maybe they put him on a rotation because they had they had Nate Davis a little bit on rotation at some point last year as well. Once. But then they went with him, and then when they did, he was done. So maybe you see something like that along the way, yeah, too. Yeah, Nate, Nate had those fundamentals, though, that he yep. had to work on. He had to work on stance. He had a lot more things to work on there. You're hoping that you're hoping that I, I don't think there's going to be too much yeah. rotation. I think I think that's one of those when, when he goes, sure, okay. it's him. That's just my opinion. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I meant like rotation as far as maybe you pick your spots. He gets he gets a series here and there just to try to get him broke in because he still – you don't have those preseason games too, so that's a little different than Nate Davis last year as well. You don't you have to see what you got as well because you want to see. You but, also don't have Super Bowl champion Jamil Douglas holding him off. <laughs> I can't wait till that's not a thing anymore. It probably always will be a offensive thing. guard wins. Oh my gosh. Anyway. So moving on just here to wrap everything up, we do have some news in the the Titans area as well, personal and not. But to start, they did sign Walt Aikens, safety from Miami. Um, thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, he's a special teams guy. Uh, you lost Aaron Bates. Uh, you're trying to really just kind of build the back end of that roster. So there were other reports of them having some additional workouts coming in. Uh, Walt a- Aikens, they're also bringing in uh, old Will Compton. Uh, boy! Oh, yeah. And so bringing him in. So they're definitely focused on building their special teams, which is interesting because um, obviously they – they didn't seem too terribly concerned with their kicking game, uh, which given that's where the issues really seem to lie. Uh, now, apparently that's neck and neck competition too, apparently, but it seems more neck and neck because the other guy came back down to earth with Greg Joseph missing some kicks today. So I think that's probably where I'd be looking to actually fix the special teams, but their actions speaking pretty loud that they want to really fill in the back end of that roster with some special teams guys. So reportedly, uh, Walt Aikens was not on the transaction report. So it was reported by his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, that he was signed. So he, since he wasn't on the transaction report, that doesn't seem official yet. Um, it would be surprising if that didn't happen. I think it would have to be an upset for it, but they did have some yeah. other guys coming in too. It's not typical. You see that, that that's been announced, but maybe the team was like, Whoa, we're bringing you in. We've got some other stuff we want to get through. And will Compton. Yeah. I, I hope there's a part of me that just hope he makes the team just because he'd be a great voice in that locker room. He'd be someone who brings light to the situation. And you, and you know, Taylor Luan would probably love that. That's, 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 that's his best friend in the NFL, right? It has to be. You see how they interact. So after the Raiders game, you you see him on busting with the boys. So it's it's it'd be good. Like I do kind of agree with Paul Kaharski. I don't want to really say put it as bluntly as he did. Like you're not gaining speed with Compton, sure, but you're gaining a decent linebacker backup if something just absolutely happens throughout that depth of those linebackers. So he's more than just a special teams piece in my mind. I think that if you do, if he does make the roster, you're thinking that he's a good backup option as well for the defense. Cause well, he's been in the system. He knows it and he's proven he can play in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys that I think at this point you're, you're hoping he's not having to play defense a ton, sure. um, but Get you through a series or two. Yeah, for sure. And he, he's more serviceable than some of the other guys that we've had to, had to have Seiko in and play that position. So um, I, I'm excited to see what they do with it. But it's just the fact that they continue to shuffle guys in and out at that back end of the roster kind of kind of positions that uh, they're still very concerned about that. Again, just having to try to see the best situation you can, trying to go with your gut, trying to see. Also, they're bringing in local guy, Sean Golden from Tennessee. I know you've got a personal connection there as well. Uh, it's exciting to see him come in and get a shot too. Uh, again, thoughts there on, on, on him coming in for a tryout. 
Oh yeah, obviously I'd love to see him get signed. The kind of local local kid out of Middle Tennessee went to University of Tennessee, uh, went in the third round to the Panthers. But um, guy that has the maybe not the greatest athletic prowess relative. Everybody that plays in the NFL is a great athlete. But um, you talk about a guy with the the head and the mental game of a linebacker. Yep. Um, and fearless and so i think that's something turnover that, machine too when he gets a chance yeah he, he's a guy that <laughs> likes to come up and, and attack and so i think that's something that from a personality wise i think that's something that the, any coach would love to coach so um we'll see what they end up doing um at that position obviously they seem pretty at least drew rosenhouse thinks they're pretty uh pretty confident that Walt Akins is the guy, but the way they've been shuffling guys in and out, it, it's always nice to continue just to get looks at guys that you may be interested in. Yep. So some more, I don't expect this to be the last shuffle and, and, and roster move and things like that as they fill up this backside of this roster and keep going. It's an interesting camp. It's an interesting time that they're going through and seeing all these coaches decisions. And as we lead in what, 21, 22 game days away. I don't math. <laughs> We're close. It's it, I can smell it. We're less than a month away. Hey, here's a question. So, because you've been watching Hard Knocks, who's your? Uh, what do you think of the coaches on Hard Knocks so far? Oh, I like I like I love them both. Which one do you like more, and why? <laughs> I think I like Anthony Lynn. I'm a big Anthony Lynn guy now. Uh, watching how he's going through, like the whole episode where he was going through the COVID, and I was just, I didn't I was like. Maybe I heard about that, but I guess it went right out the window. But just hearing him talk about that, hearing how he interacts with his guys, they're both fun to watch, and I think they're both great coaches. But just Anthony Lynn seems like he's, again, the kind of a cut from that Rabel cloth. And maybe that's just the kind of coach that I'm preferring at this point when I'm watching. And, and But he seems like he cares. The whole interaction with uh, – was it Adams? Who, who was it? He, who did he have that interaction with the sunglasses? You probably haven't seen the show, but he took a player's sunglasses and then stuck them in his pocket. I'm just going to keep these from you. <laughs> so it's just those kind of fun things there. It seems like a real genuine guy. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't seen all of the episodes, but, uh, you know, I, I think Anthony Lynn, I, I want to go to his barbecue. Yeah. He, the dude knows how to barbecue. Well, I'd, li- I'd rather go to his cookout. Yeah. yeah <laughs> for sure. For sure. So... So, but that's going to wrap it up for us this week. In closing, this has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network. Remember to be sure and check out all of our podcasts and articles and video breakdowns that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Head on over to Twitter and give it a follow at BroadwayTN. Make sure you're following Jonathan at JBOnBroad, my Twitter handle at RyanOnBroadway. Uh, make sure you're also heading over to our Facebook and Instagram as well. We're working on those, getting those up and running. Uh, Facebook's seen a lot of activity, so head on over there, be a part of the Broadway sports media group that's on Facebook. And so you don't miss any updates from there. Uh, That's going to do it for us this week. Check out our show also at coaches on broad on Twitter, but until next time. We out. See you.